Okay. So we're doing now Thursday's portion of Parsha's Tetzave. And what we're talking about here, what we already started discussing in Wednesday's portion, is the consecration of Aaron, Aaron and his four sons to be the priests, the Kohanim, in God's tabernacle. Now that we have the home for God, we have the priests who are serving in the home. And once everything is constructed, after we make the tabernacle, with all the vessels, with all the priestly garments, now we're consecrating the priests to have this special job. So we're literally in the middle of the story of the consecration. We're up here to verse 19. So what happened in yesterday's portion was taking Aaron and his sons, washing them, dressing them, girding them, bringing the first bull that they lean their hands on, slaughtering it, sprinkling the blood on the altar, taking all the fats and all the specific meats and burning it on the altar, and then doing the same thing with a ram. That was with a bull, and that was the first ram. Again, Aaron and his sons leaning on the ram and slaughtering the ram and sprinkling the blood on the altar. And actually, the ram, the entire ram, was burnt to God. Okay, now continues today. Now we're going to take the second ram. Yesterday, we were just discussing with the first one. And again, you shall take the second ram, and Aaron and his sons shall lean their hands on the head of the ram. You shall slaughter the ram, and you shall take some of its blood and put it on, as Rashi explains the word, tenuch, as the cartilage of the middle section inside the ear. So on this cartilage of the ear of Aaron and on the cartilage of the ear of his sons, the right one, and on the thumb of their right hand and the big toe of their right foot. So we have the ear, the thumb, and the toe of the right and of the right. And you shall sprinkle the blood on the altar all around. Now, in all these things, again, Rashi clarified this yesterday, the priest here doing all this is Moses, meaning Aaron and his four sons are being dedicated to being priests. So right now, in their capacity, they're like the owners of the offering, the subject of the offering, and the priest who's doing all the acts, slaughtering and the sprinkling and the burning. This is all Moses. He is the priest in all of these actions. Next verse, you shall take some of the blood that is on. So do you here, literally, as God claimed Moses, what he, as a priest, is going to be doing. You shall take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointment oil and sprinkle on Aaron and on his garments and on his sons and the garments of his sons with him. He and his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him shall become holy. So they're sprinkling on these beautiful garments oil and blood. I wonder how they got this all so clean afterwards. <laughs> they're very, very, very elaborate garments. You'll take from the ram the fat and the fat tail and the fat that covers the inwards and the diaphragm of the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them and the right thigh. It is a ram of perfection. The Rashi explains that originally the fat, either it's the fat of the small intestines or the stomach, and the fat tail wasn't stated among the parts of the bull that we listed those parts that were going to be burned on the altar for this inauguration procedure because the fat tail is not offered with a bull, only with a lamb or a ram or an ooh, but with an ox or a goat, we don't offer the tail end. 
Now, the right thigh, Rashi points out, is interesting because generally the right thigh was not from those items that are burnt on the altar. But only here in this special, unique ceremony of dedicating Aaron and his sons as a priest, we also offer, as a burnt part of the burnt offering, the right thigh of the animal. So then we said the final phrase in this verse says, it is the ram of perfection. The Rashi explains that what we mean here is completeness. It's complete in all respects. Meaning this is a peace offering. A peace offering is complete because part of it God gets, it's burnt on the altar. Part of it the priest gets. And part of it the owner gets. Here, again, the priest is Moses and the owner is Aaron and his son. So this is the completeness and perfection of it that everyone gets a piece. And Rashi says that God is saying because we're associating this quality of wholeness with this offering, I want the breast of this offering to be a portion for the person performing the ceremony, which means Moses, he officiated in this inauguration. And Aaron and his sons, who are the owners, ate the rest of it, as we're going to see later in the verse. Next verse, and one loaf of bread and one challah of oil bread and one wafer from the basket of matzalos, that is, before God. So previously, we had mentioned that there were these three different types of baked offerings. Each type had 10 loaves each. So one loaf of this type of loaves, chalas we call them, but not of challah bread, as we would envision, but of a type of matzah. And one challah of oil bread, the, where it was sort of boiled. And one wafer, we spoke of, of the wafers before, a different type of, these are all different varieties of what we would call matzah, not literally leaven bread, but different types of matzah depending on how you made it, what type of pot they made it in, and how was the oil mixed with it, was the oil smeared on top. All these different nuances create these three different types of loaves. And there were 10 of them made. One out of each of the 10 was placed on the altar and was burnt. As Rashi said, this is also very unusual because this is the only time we ever find an offering of a bread accompanying an animal offering. In other words, the other time we offer bread is like by a Thanksgiving offering or by the ram of the Nazir, but then the bread is given to the priest along with the portions of the animal, the breast and the thigh that are given to the priest. But here, Moses, the priest, did not get from this bread. A portion was burnt, a portion was given to Aaron and his son. Moses, the priest, did not get from it in this specific situation. You shall place it all on the palms of Aaron and on the palms of his son, and you shall wave as a waving before God. So we have here the owner, Aaron and his son, and the priest, Moses, and they together are waving this before God. So how did they do this? So the priest puts his hand under the hands of the owner, and the offering is on the hands of the owner. So they're all lifting it together. So again, here Aaron and his sons are the owners. Moses is the priest. And they're waving it, moving the parts back and forth to express that God has all directions. The winds of the world, east, west, north, and south, belong to God. The waving is to hold back and annul punishments and harmful winds. And the raising is lifting and lowering the parts to whom heaven and earth belong and raising is holding back 
the harmful dews. So the going from side to side was to prevent the harmful winds, and the up and down is to prevent the harmful dews. You shall take them from their hands and cause them to go up in a smoke on the altar after the Ola offering for the pleasing fragrance before God is a fire offering for God. So this means the Ola offering, an Ola offering is an offering where the entire animal is completely burnt. So that was the last offering we read yesterday that I mentioned briefly today, the ram offering. The first ram was an Ola because Nobody else got a part. The priest didn't get a part. The owners didn't get a part. The entire animal was burnt on the altar. So directly after that, give this offering. And this is a pleasing fragrance to God. What's pleasing fragrance? It's a source of contentment to God because he told you to do this, and you're doing exactly what he's wanting. When you do his will, that's the pleasure to God. It was called a fire offering because it was put on the fire. And it's for God, meaning in... For this name of God. That's how it has to be offered, with that intent. Okay, the next verse. You shall take the breast of this ram, that is Aaron, and you shall wave it as a waving before God. And it shall be a portion for you. Can you mean Moses? Because Moses got the breast because he was the priest, and the priest generally get from the animal, if it's not an oila. That the whole thing is burnt up. If it's something that the priest gets a portion, he gets the breast and the thigh. So here, this breast of this ram was given to Moses because he's the priest. You shall consecrate the breast of the waving and the thigh of the raising as in waves and has been raised. Again, waves to prevent the harmful winds and raised to prevent the harmful dews from the Miluim ram that was for Aaron and his sons. The Rashi is saying, what does it mean you should consecrate them? The Rashi says you should consecrate them for future generations that just as now, first time ever, you, Moses as the priest and Aaron as the owner, did the ceremony of raising and waving, so too in the future, for all future generations, whenever they offer this peace offering, exactly as you did it with the owner hand and the priest hand, they should take the breast and the thigh and raise and wave these offerings. Now, the difference, though, there is a difference because here in this inaugural offering, the thigh was burnt on the altar and the breast was a portion of Moses, the priest. So, in the future, peace offerings are going to follow this model of the breast and the thigh being raised and waved, but not completely follow the model because the thigh would not be burnt. In the future, the thigh and the breast are given to the priest. Next verse. It shall be for Aaron and his sons as an everlasting share from the children of Israel, for it is set aside and it shall be set aside from the children of Israel, from their peace offerings, that which they set aside for God. So when we're saying here, it's an everlasting share from the children of Israel, but what's, what are we talking about? This, what we're calling a peace offering, belongs to the owners, and they are giving the breast and the thigh to the priest. So as I said before, this peace offering is peace because everyone gets a peace. The altar gets a peace, gets burnt, that's God's portion. The owners get a peace, they eat it, that's their portion. And the priest gets a peace, he gets the breast and the thigh to eat. 
it's set aside, the breast and the thigh are set aside for the priest as his portion. Okay, sorry, continuing. Next verse, the garments of the holy that are for Aaron shall be to his sons after him, be elevated through them and to inaugurate them through them. So what does it mean to his sons after him? I mean, these are the garments of the high priest. As we learned in the beginning of this portion, the regular priest has four garments. The high priest has eight, and his are far more elaborate. They're very, very elaborate and detailed and very, very precious garments. So to his sons after him, what is he talking about? Not to all of his sons, but to the one who's following in his position of greatness, meaning to the one that becomes the high priest after him. In other words, it's not that his sons inherit these garments, they passed on to his descendant who succeeds him in the office of the high priest. To become elevated, so Rashi says, to attain greatness through them. And to inaugurate them through them, that through the garments, this person becomes enrobed in the office of the high priest. In other words, wearing the garments is part of the procedure that imbues the high priest with the sanctity of the office of high priest. So the garments were very significant. It wasn't only to create this majesty in the eyes of the people that the high priest should be exalted in their eyes or God should be exalted through, through seeing how beautiful the garments of the high priest are. No, this literally was a sanctity in them that raised the wearer to be on this level to be the high priest. For a seven-day period he shall don them, he who serves in his stead from among his sons, who shall enter the tent of meeting to serve in the sanctuary. So for seven consecutive days, it doesn't mean seven scattered or random days. It means for seven consecutive days, this that follows Aaron. So he who serves in his stead shall wear them, meaning from among his sons, who's going to succeed him in the office of the high priest, when they appoint him to be high priest, he has a seven-day inaugural period for this priest who is ready to enter the innermost interior of the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, that only once a year, one person went into this most holy place. On the holiest day of the year, Yom Kippur, the holiest person among the Jews, the high priest, goes into the Holy of Holies to atone for all the Jewish people. The Rebbe says that by the times of the Mashiach, of the Messiah, all Jews will have this privilege of the high priest, and whenever we want, we'll go into the holy, and we'll even go into the holy of holies whenever we want, because we're going to be so close to God. But until now, it's been one person, once a year, on the holiest day, in the holiest place, the holiest soul, are coming together. So we're saying the service of Yom Kippur is only valid when the high priest is performing it in the holy of holies. Now, who has become the high priest? Well, we see here from the language of this verse, the one who's in his stead from among his sons, meaning that ideally we would hope that the high priest has a son who's qualified to take his place, and then he's appointed after him. Obviously, if he doesn't have a son who's worthy, then a different priest would be appointed as a high priest. But initially we look to his sons, which we do this in all Torah positions. 
if someone's a, a rabbi or a synagogue or a congregation or a city or a, a community, and then he passes away, the first thing we would do is look among his sons. Is there someone worthy to succeed? Obviously, there's not. There's not. But if there is, that's considered the best thing to do. So he serves in his stead from among his sons. To Rashi here, doing something unusual, but sometimes Rashi actually focuses on the cantillation sign. The cantillation sign here is Tavir, which shows that the word priest here is actually being used in not a noun, but a reverb. In other words, if priest here was a noun, then the verse doesn't have a verb. But here we're using the word priest to mean not priest the person, but serves which therefore we have this Tavir sign, because Tavir connects the word to the word directly following it. So here we have a sign of connecting serves to the word following it, he who serves in his stead from among his sons. 